right, y'all, get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. David Coker, proprietor of Dave Mark Inc., uh, marketing specialist, media specialist, man about town, you name it, I do it. Um, and my most important, important title, all around good guy. <laughs> and I'm going to hang, I'm going to, I'm going to um, go to my right over here and let my partner speak, Mr. Leonard Young. Yes, this is Leonard Young, CEO of National Black Guide, DelawareBlack.com. Black media specialist and the original all-around good guy. Dave, how you doing today? I was getting ready to say, I thought I was getting ready to do this show by myself, man. What, what, what's up? What was the little pause all about? What's your what pause? Yeah, a little pause there. But, you know, but I understand sometimes it, it's hard following greatness. So <laughs> uh, well, so, well, Dave, so, you, you, you should know. You should know. <laughs> But anyway, I'm good, man. I can't complain. Um, we it's it's Tuesday, you know, our favorite day, one of our favorite days of the week. Uh, we did made it through the weekend, um, the holiday weekend. I guess you can st- yeah. still say recovering from that. So how how was your weekend, man? Was it good? Uh, yeah, mine mine was real good. I uh, definitely got to see family, so you know, I think that's always good. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with the the children. This weekend, so you know that that that'll definitely good. My uh, son is in the band that um, Caravel Academy, so my daughter and I were out out there Friday night freezing as Caravel whooped up on Newark High School, and I mean whooped up on them. But uh, other than that, everything else is good. I mean, this is the last Tuesday in November, and you know we're we're about to bring this year to an end soon. What what about you? Yeah. How was your Thanksgiving? And uh, it, it was it was good. Everything was good, you know. I I ate, you know. I, I you know <laughs> I, I I did my cleansing a couple of days prior to that, you know. I had the cleanse first, and did uh, the next day I did my little exercises, you know, the the clear up some space, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> you know, I went in on I went in on Thursday and, uh-huh. and 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 did some justice, you know. I did I did myself proud, you know. I okay. did my thing. And so then, so um, were, were you at the house or you no, went? No, 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 we we no because I wasn't at your house. That's all that matters. Because I mean, I, 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 I wasn't I wasn't in my house either. So I mean, that that was yeah, two of us. Uh, I know because you know, and you didn't do Friendsgiving this year either, did you? No, just I mean, we we just had a lot going on. It, it was just too much. Uh, I was going to ask you about that because you know I thought you, would, you tried to do it and not tell me about it. You know, like you know. Well, well, I mean, uh, Dave, if we want to be honest, last year for free, uh, and, and, and I know our guest hasn't come on yet, but I'm still going to rest Michelle. Last year, my wife and I had Friendsgiving at our house and I told Dave in advance, you know, we talked about it. So on Friendsgiving Saturday, it was the first Saturday in November. It's, uh-huh. you know, it started like six o'clock, seven and and Dave Dave lives down the street from me. He's not too far. Seven o'clock, okay. eight o'clock. And I text Dave. I'm like, Dave, you know, you coming by? No response. Nine o'clock, nine thirty, he texts me like, Oh man, I'm just waking up. And I'm like, Oh, you are? 
And, you know, I, I sent him a picture because there were a couple uh mutual people at my house that he knew. So I'm thinking uh-huh. it's nine o'clock. He's like, come over. Ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. <laughs> Long story short, Dave never even came at all. So I'm the audacity for him to mention friends giving this year, knowing he ain't come last year. But he should have anyway. just left. He should have just left yeah, that alone. You, you, yeah, you should have just. Dave, if you had come the first time, you might. You, you know what, Dave? Dave, Dave, hold on, hold on. We're, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna act like my friends giving is like dinner and blanc. When you miss a year, you can't attend the next year. And you had to go back on the waiting oh. list. Oh my God. Oh, no, you didn't. But you know, I, you know, I, it's not, but you know, it's not like I can't find you. Now I'll park outside your house if I have to, you know, so, you know, that's but, no but, problem. You know, are, or I'll, are, call, are, I'll call your wife up and say, are you going to park out there every day waiting for the day uh, we have Friendsgiving? You going to park out there every day and sit <laughs> wait, waiting for the day that we have thanks uh, Friendsgiving? I don't know. You got that. You got that. You got that. You got that big dog. I ain't fooling with you like that. So you know, that, 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 yeah. That, look, Leonard's dog. Leonard's dog. If it stands on its hind feet, it's as tall as I am. I'm telling. Wow. You. Dave, is telling all, Dave is telling all the lies. Um, so we have a Connie Corso or a Kane Corso. Which, to be honest, the breed does get as large as he's saying, but our dog stopped growing in eight months, so um, it's not the same size as as some of the other well, ones you may see. Well, you would appreciate this. Remember the comic, um, the comic strip, Marmaduke? Marmaduke. I know you gotta say that. Okay. You remember that? You remember the no. dog in Marmaduke? You don't not remember me. Marmaduke? No. Oh my god! Oh, no. okay. We got I'm not thing. even a pet person, to be honest uh, with you. I'm not an animal person, pet person, so I I don't even zero in on the pets. And Michelle, just so, so you know, just so you know, Dave, Dave is going to bring up a whole bunch of old references during the show that don't nobody okay. know, and he's going to try to act like we should know <laughs> when Michelle, we don't. Michelle's going to get it. Michelle, Michelle's going to be right there with me. I know she is because okay. Michelle... A very well-rounded person, so don't worry. We're gonna okay. be, look, we're gonna be all right. We're gonna be. He's always this. This is what I'm talking about, Michelle. See, I try to warn you. I try to warn. You, okay, but but, but I do thank Leonard for the heads up, though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, you turned on me already. That's a shame. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, so, but, <laughs> but anyway. It was a good weekend. We made it, you know, we made it through the weekend, both of us, me and Leonard. We made it through the weekend, and here it is Tuesday. And, um, you know, it's it's been um, it's been interesting as far as the weather, too. The weather's been pretty pretty consistent, right. I guess you could say. Well, uh, the last two days. The la- Well, the last two days have been kind of mm-hmm. off, yeah, yeah. But we had some nice weather leading up to the last two days. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah, so. But um, but here we are. It's Tuesday, and I couldn't wait to get to this particular Tuesday because of the guests that we have on today. You already hear. You already hear. And, you know, she's already put her voice in our yep, conversation. She already, she already, she already been know. cracking jokes on Dave. Yeah. Yep, come on. <laughs> He's, he's, you know, you know these politicians. You know they got to be heard. You know what I mean. Oh. You know? <laughs> public servant. Public yes. servant. No, public servant. I like that. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. but what we're gonna do, Leonard? Why don't you introduce and let's go over her bio, and then why don't you introduce 
our guest today. Sure. So today we have none other than Michelle Harley. She is 4th District Wilmington City Council member. She is a lifelong resident of the city of Wilmington. She attended Wilmington High School, Springfield College. <laughs> and... Oh, my goodness. Here you go. <laughs> and earned a massive of arts yeah. degree. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and earned a master's ahead, degree from ahead. International it's, it's, Christian. Letters don't know anything about the woman. That I... uh, why, why, he doesn't why, know why, why do I not? Letters don't know anything about P.S. and woman. That but y'all wasn't our real rival. Our real rival was Howard, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so, she earned a master's you know, arts degree so, from... Thank you, ahead, Dave. All right. She had a massive arts degree from International Christian University, now merged with Liberty University. She is a Six Sigma Green Belt certified. She has been employed at DuPont for 25 plus years. Her current role is a certified ISO um, 9001 lead quality auditor. Although Michelle had worked for one company for many years, she considers herself having had three successful broad careers and has held three major positions at DuPont. She started in marketing, moved to finances, and, and currently is in quality organization. She has been an ordained elder for 20, 20 plus years. She has been an effective leader at DuPont in the community and at her church for many years. To name a few, to name a few of her dedicated work, community and church affiliation accomplishments. She has been a coach for DuPont sourcing interns and co-ops, board members of Stepping Stones Credit Union, established Polish Me Perfect grooming classes for women, women in the community, board member of New Destiny Fellowship Church, president of Compton Park Square Homeowners Association, 4th District Neighborhood Planning Council president, Eastside Blueprint and Community Benefits Agreement Committee member, Eastside Civic Association President, 4th District Democratic Wilmington City Committee member for 10 plus years, 4th District Wilmington City Committee Panel of Disputes. As 4th District Representative Councilwoman Harley is committed to voicing the concerns of her constituents, while working with stakeholders and developing public and private sec sector relationships. Her vision includes working in solidarity with, with her council colleagues to assure our city budget is more on solid ground by ascertaining certain budgets, spending plans, and assuring we are solvent. Assuring her legislative record balances, our middle-class economic slippery slope, and addresses disenfranchisement of low-income family disparities while moving Wilmington forward. Michelle is serving her second four-year term. Her focus is public safety, youth, and housing. Since being elected in 2016, Michelle has been committed to developing, sponsoring, and co-sponsoring policies that benefit her fourth district constituents and all Wilmington citizens. She is currently the chair of the personnel committee, vice chairperson of the finance committee, and she sits on the intergovernmental committee for Wilmington city council. 
Fourth District Council Member Michelle Harley represents one of the most dynamic, diverse districts in Wilmington. She believes her elected seat belongs to the people and her job is to listen, learn, and take action. She loves helping people win. And Dave, to the show, we would like to welcome Michelle Harley. Thank you. Thank you, Leonard. Thank you. And hello to you, David. Yep. yep. So, Michelle, you know, I um, I think one of the questions we always get is, you know, what made you, um, I guess, make the leap from being, a, you know, a dedicated citizen of Wilmington to being a servant leader in Wilmington? I'm sorry, a public servant of Wilmington. Okay, so that's a good question. And um, before I answer that, that question, I want to say thank you um, to the both of you for this opportunity to come on to your show and to be able to share information about mainly um, the role that um, I sit in as city council representative. But to answer your question, um, I guess I want to say, first of all, that I really do believe that Public service is a part of my DNA. Um, it goes back to um, my early 20s um, when I first joined my my current church, which, which is New Destiny Fellowship Church. I was always identified um, to be a leader over a number of committees and a number of organizations within in my church. And at the same time, um, I also got involved with community organizations. And as you read my my bio, um, Civic Association president, I sat on the board of Stepping Stones Credit Union, which is in a community. I work with another church, Reverend Killing, which is um, the pastor of Central Baptist, as it related to the Eastside Blueprint, which was a community-driven um, initiative and program. And I was working and serving in the church at the same time. And I realized that, you know, helping people um, win and helping people to to encourage and to empower and to educate, I just began to look at how I'm always involved with helping people in some capacity and even at DuPont. Um, as it relates to um, giving back and, and, and helping people win again, um, the interns and the co-ops that we hire in our organization from HBCUs that look like, you know, brown and black people. I wanted to get involved even in that particular committee. So I've always found myself being involved in some way, shape or form with helping people, whether it was in church um, or be it in the community. And then um, in 2014, at that point in time, the um, current council person was um, currently in the seat, fourth district seat. And she had reached out to me because I was the president of the civic association. So it was important to me to connect with the elected officials to help get things done in the community. And that's one of the things that I realized being in the seat is that the community doesn't always connect or even know who their elected officials are to be able to reach out to them for help, um, for resources and et cetera. But early on, because I was involved in the Democratic Committee, I knew the importance of reaching out to my elected officials. So at that point in time, the fourth district um 
council person had reached out to me and told me that they, you know, had seen my leadership skills. They thought that I would make be a good fit for this seat once they moved on. And I'll be honest with you, at that point in time, I was just busy trying to get things done um, in the community on a grassroots level, just wanting to help to improve um, as it related to um, just connecting with other people that were um, community oriented as well. So I I was, you know, doing my thing, going about my business, just trying to make (laughs) things happen, really. And then the, the seat opened up. So the current um, uh, council representative at that time decided to move on to become the president of the council. And pretty much the, the rest is history. But I will tell you that different people have reached out to me um, to ask me what I would be interested in because I was already involved in a number of community um, organizations when the seat opened up and, and they about three or four people from different communities in the fourth district asked me to consider running. And I'll tell you what I said. I said, listen, <laughs> y'all are willing to support it and find right. it. I will do it. And so that's pretty much how, how it all came about, Leonard. Okay. And um, so, so this is more of a two-part question. So one, mm-hmm. I guess if you can briefly describe what your role as, um, you know, uh, the council member for your fourth district council member is. And then part two. So I noticed how you were, when you were talking about working with some of the grassroots organizations, mm-hmm. do you, do you find, and, and I, I know you're already a, a councilwoman now, but do you find, um, there were times when you were more effective as a, um, a public citizen? as opposed to a council member, just because maybe some of the limitations that were, you know, once you become a council member, I'm sure there's, you know, some, you can't do everything as freely as you would want to. Okay. All right. So I'll answer the first question. And the first question pretty much is the role and responsibility of a a council member. Correct. I think that that's the first um, question. So the major role of a council person is to make sure that we vote on the budget. Um, Every year, our mayor um, presents a budget, typically um, in the first quarter of the year, by March. Um, He presents a budget that basically, you know, shows what the um, administration or the executive branch, what they feel is that was important. They present that to the legislative branch, which is the councilmatic, part of of the government and we pretty much have to go through each department look at line item by line item in terms of the dollars to make sure that what the mayor is presenting um for us to vote on it makes sense and that is and that is balanced so that's number one the main responsibility is to make sure that the budget is balanced by june um, because that's when the fiscal year ends and starts between June and July. So that's number one. Number two, making sure that we're at our city council meetings, being present um, at our meetings um, and definitely showing up at committee meetings. Because during your committee meetings is where we do all of our debating, where we ask questions, where we understand legislation. So once legislation um, is presented is presented 
as a first and second reading on the floor. And then it moves from the floor to a committee meeting. And then from the committee meeting, then it goes for third and fourth reading. So during the committee meeting, like I said, is where whoever is sponsoring the legislation, that's where they present to the committee members and the rest of the council, the, the, the genesis or the impetus as to why they are sponsoring that legislation. And then the council members can ask all the questions that we need to answer, that we need to ask to get the answers that we need. So when we go on the floor for the third and fourth reading, we just voted up or down. The floor really isn't where we should be debating. If a council member is doing their 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 job by going to the committee meetings, then that's where they can understand the legislation, learn about the legislation, and if there's anything that they need to know about it before we vote on it on the floor, that's when we do it. And even if you miss a meeting, we record all of our committee meetings. So if you miss a meeting, you can always, you know, um, go back, watch it and hear who's talking, how people feel. And you pretty much can find out from a committee meeting where your other council member colleagues stand as it relates to, are they for it? Are they against it? Are they in between? So it's balancing the budget, attending city council meetings twice a month. We um, have city council on the first and the third Thursday and then going to the committee meetings. And then last but not least, our constituents. Um, being there for our constituents, to me, um, my experience um, being a council member going into my second term, that constituent services is very important. And what I mean by that is when our constituents don't know where to go, um, they don't know who to call. Most of the time, they will call the district council person. They don't call their county council person. <laughs> they don't call a state or, or a senator, state senator or state representative. And definitely, they don't call their U.S. delegates. <laughs> they normally call their district council person to find out who they need to call as it relates to trash, as it relates to parking tickets, as it relates to any type of L&I issues that they may have. But I find that um, listening to my constituents, going to civic association meetings, listening and learning um, as it relates to what their concerns are is a very, very big part of my job in my district. Now, every district is different. I think we have some similar, um, uh, you know, concerns, issues and et cetera. But as for my district, it's all about being available when they call, answering, when they email, responding. And like I said, listening and learning, going to civic association meetings. I have six um, communities within the fourth district, which is Southbridge, the riverfront, downtown, a portion of the east side, south of 9th Street, Midtown, Brandywine, and Trinity vicinity. Those are the communities that are in the fourth district. And um, the homeowners associations down at the riverfront are active. Southbridge, the east side, all of those communities that I just mentioned, they have active either a civic association or homeowners association um, committee. And like I said, you know, I find that that's a big part of my job is listening, learning and taking action on their issues, their interests and their concerns. Okay. <clears throat> and, okay. and I guess then for the second part, um, do are you 
as effective as a council member as you thought you would be compared to like a private citizen? Yes, that's right. The second part of that. So um, for me, my the compass for everything that I do, just in general, whether it's at DuPont, whether it's, you know, going to a civic association meeting, being in the community, supporting an event, sitting in the boardroom, my compass is always doing the right thing and doing the right thing the right way. So when you start right there, okay, that will be consistent all around the board. And I'm, I'm going to get to the specific answer, but this is important too. Um, I don't like to be labeled as being on a side or being on a team, you know, because I've heard that mentioned several times throughout, you know, being a part of council, um, people on teams and sides and things of that nature. And for the record, I'm never on a team and I'm never on a side other than the side of what I think is right and the, and, and basing it on the merits of the legislation. So we got 13 members on council. And so let's say you, one of my council um, colleagues may be sponsoring legislation that deals with education. It doesn't matter to me where they stand or how they may consider themselves being on this side or that side, because I'm very neutral. And again, like I said, I vote on and I support and vote on legislation based on the merits of the legislation and that only. So um, having that mindset as it relates to my duties and my responsibilities, I feel as though that's the best that I can bring to not only my fourth district constituents, but to all the citizens of Wilmington, just basing it on the merits of the legislation. If it's good for the city, if it's good for the community, then guess what? Then I, I support it. If it's good for the city, if it's good for the community, okay? It doesn't matter to me who's sponsoring it. If it's not good for the city, and if I don't feel as though it's good for the community, I mean, as it relates to the big picture, um, you know, I make decisions based on that. So for me, um, I still feel as though there's little quirks here and there. 98% of it, of what I do, what we do, it's, 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 it's easy breezy for me because like I said, you know, being intentional about doing the right thing the right way, that's, that's, that's who I am. So when it gets into murky waters and all of that, I stay clear of, is it the <laughs> right thing? <laughs> Is it the right way that we're doing it? And that just helps me. So guess what? If there's something that comes across my desk that doesn't feel right, doesn't look right, it's not happening right, then I just back off. Because again, you know, um, I realize and recognize the space that I'm in, which is government. Some people like to say politics, but I'd like to say, you know, I work, I'm working for the government and the government, the, the, the environment, um, within government is completely different than in corporate America. So I always have to, you know, kind of shift my hat or switch my hat around when I'm in a DuPont environment, everything is very standardized. You always know what to expect. Um, You know, you got eyes watching and to make sure that, you know, you're ethical, et cetera, et cetera. In the, in the government space is very, very different. Today it could be this, tomorrow it could be something else. But nonetheless, um, 
I I still feel as though being in a position to have the power of the pen to write policies to improve the quality of life, not only for my fourth district constituents, but for the citizenry of Wilmington is still a more powerful um, position to be in versus just being a grassroots community person because I can do both. I can listen and learn, go to the meetings and listen at the at the community to find out what it is that they wanted to do. And then I can present the legislation and 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 you know lobby my council members to really bring that desire or that change to pass for the community. So hands down being um, in the position to have the power of the pen, it definitely benefits the people more than me just being the civic association president, just making suggestions and bringing out good ideals. Gotcha. Understood. Okay. Well, I got a, I got a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, my question is um, in the fourth district, and then you talk about, um, you know, the paperwork that come across your desk and stuff that, mm-hmm. um, you know, the things that you are trying to get, you know, action and everything. Um, my question is, what are the biggest concerns from your constituents in the fourth district at this time? Um, I know I'm a I'm a Wilmingtonian to my heart. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, living in Wilmington now, but, you know, that's where I spent most of my life, you know, in Wilmington and always going to be near and dear to my heart so i always pay attention to what's going on in wilmington at all times so what would be the biggest concerns in your district at this time and um how do you how do you feel that you can uh, make things better in reference to the concerns that the people have Okay, that's a good question. So um, the 4th District, I mentioned to you the communities that are in the 4th District. Right. I said Southbridge, the Riverfront, downtown, a portion of the east side, Midtown Brandywine, which is behind Nikki Moto's, um, over by Fair Charter School, that community right there. Leonard's family. Leonard's they, they, family. They, they, they do, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Well, and, and, and it's so funny because I didn't, growing up, Midtown Brandywine was nothing like that. Like how it has changed from mm-hmm. then to now is just like every time I go back there, I'm just like, wow. Like it wasn't like, I mean, it's nice, but it, you know, it, the uh, diversity was a little bit different growing up. And I remember, I remember, I don't know if you remember Capathia, Miss Capathia had a nursery um, on, is that, that's West Street, as you go right. down the hill yep. on the left-hand side. I do. Um, I remember, you know, she was a friend of my mother, so I remember when the community was more brown and black at that mm-hmm. point in time, right? And now yeah. it's definitely one of the, not only one of the most diverse um, communities, but in terms of economic status, yeah. it's considered, you know, you have lawyers, a, a number of attorneys that live in that community, a number of people that are executive directors of organizations. So yes, it definitely is a, a new community. But um, I will say that they have a model civic association. Um, I want to say format. I just love the way they run their civic association over in Midtown Brandywine. And I share 
their model with some of the other um, civic associations as well. So we have Midtown Brandywine and Trinity Vicinity. And so the six years that I've been um, in this position, I've had the opportunity to just really listen and learn and pay attention. And so um, the East Side and Southbridge, they pretty much are very much the same in terms of interests, issues, and concerns. So when I think about my communities, I think about their concerns, their issues, and their interests. So East Side and Southbridge are very similar. The Riverfront and downtown are very similar. And believe it or not, Midtown Brandywine and Trinity vicinity are very similar. And so to answer your question, David, so in Southbridge and, and on the east side, their number one issues are not the same as the number one issues are downtown, um, Riverfront, Midtown, Brandywine, and Trinity vicinity. But I will tell you this, um, public safety, the crime is number one for all of the, the, the communities in the 4th District as well as the city of Wilmington. So public safety is the number one thing and I'll tell you or share with you what I'm doing and what city council was doing about the different um, priorities or top priorities, priorities in terms of like the concerns. So it was public safety slash crime. Um, the second one um, for Southbridge and the East Side is affordable housing, um, revital revitalizing the old stock um, of both of those communities, Southbridge and on the East Side. And unfortunately, you know, you have a number of people that generations in both communities, but unfortunately, a lot of them cannot afford to to fix up their houses, um, cannot afford, you know, to do revitalization. Um, but we um, were able, we, meaning the city council, myself, were able to negotiate with the mayor. I'm going to come back to that around um, revitalization and repairs around housing. Um, education uh, definitely is, is a concern, um, mainly when I say a concern, again, with our children in the city of Wilmington. Um, Wilmington has have no control over education. Um, even though we have children from the city that go to schools in the Red Clay District, Christina, um, and um, Brandywine, we, we just established a memorandum of understanding the governor along with the three um, school districts, which is Brandywine, Red Clay, and Christina. It was just signed about a month ago um, in terms of how the city of Wilmington can be more engaged, more involved with the outcomes of the children in the city of Wilmington. So um, public safety, housing, and, and education are, are the top three um, uh, issues, I would say, within the fourth district. And I want to say it kind of spills over into other districts in the city of Wilmington. And then um, I want to say uh, those are the top three that we we have been working on. Let me just see if if, if I'm missing one here. Um, equitable workforce opportunities. Okay, jobs. Okay, jobs. Of course, um, is always an area that we have to think about how we can engage more people around 
um, job fairs, um, allowing people to know what jobs are available out there. And me being in the fourth district, um, working with our mayor to make sure that we are attracting new businesses, more businesses, growing businesses. So as the fourth district council member, that's one of the areas that you uniquely deal with that's a little different than the other seven. Um, you know, what, you know, thinking about how do we attract more businesses to come to Delaware and especially to Wilmington. So, um, keeping our economic engine going. Um, what does that mean? M- bringing money into the city of Wilmington um, and doing it in an equitable way where you're not overburdening and overtaxing, you know, businesses or, 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 or taxpayers, but, you know, always trying to make sure we're keeping that balance. So um, it's, it's public safety, housing, education, and workforce development. And so what is city council doing? What am I doing about that? Okay, so I already shared um, public safety. What we learned, city council, we learned that a lot of the violence that has been happening in our city, the shootings, um, a lot of the shootings, believe it or not, are being done by youth between 13 and 18 years old, believe it or not, like within the last two and a half years. So right before COVID is when we recognize that the the spike in the shooting and crime was going up. So I um, basically hosted a public safety um, meeting, a public safety meeting in the community at Easy on Mount Fair on 8th and Warner Street. I invited the attorney general, the mayor, county exec, and the chief of police to be on the panel and of course invited the community and in that particular meeting, the goal was for us to talk about like what suggestions could the community share with the elected officials in terms of how we can move the needle and how we can increase the peace. Because I always say, you know, who who can who can you know t- who knows when someone's going to get up and go and shoot somebody? Nobody can regulate that. You just can't. But you can come up with ideas. You can come up with different modes of operation in terms of how can you increase the peace, though? You know, how can you better monitor and increase peace on your block and then spread it out from your block to your community or your neighborhood one block at a time? Think about how and what you can do. Because what I find as it relates to public safety is that most people feel like um, the police have chief, um, the Wilmington Police Department, these individuals are solely responsible for crime, but that's not true because the shootings are taking place within our communities. And most of us know who these individuals are, but are not saying anything. So anyway, that particular meeting was all about trying to bring everybody together to recognize and realize that we all have a part to play in terms of our our streets and our communities and our city being safe. The attorney general, the chief of police, the mayor, the even even churches, ministers, everybody really does have a part to play in, you know, making sure that our communities are safer, doing something. I mean, your your neighbor nowadays neighbors don't even talk to each other, right. really. <clears throat> 
Okay. So we talked a little bit about that. So that was one of the things that I did. Um, I initiated, I, I took the lead on that um, to, to sponsor that because at that point in time, a lot of the shootings were happening on, on the East side, you know, in one of the communities that I represented. So I said, you know, I don't mind taking the lead. So fast forwarding um, the story in terms of what the city council doing um, as a whole, we um, negotiated in the budget last year with the mayor. As I shared earlier, one of our primary responsibilities is balancing the budget. And we negotiated with the, the mayor to spend about $8 million on um, a consultant coming to our city um, from Newark, New Jersey, that pretty much was dealing with the same kind of crime that we're dealing with. They came to Wilmington um, City Council. We recommended some organizations that were doing great work with youth around prevention and intervention, you know, with youth, because if you prevent them from crime, you don't have to intervene, right? So the prevention was very important as well as the in intervention. So we nailed it down to about five organizations that deal with youth um, around prevention and intervention. Um, Wolfie's group is one of them. Richard Rawls group is one of them. So we, we allowed the consultants to meet with them and do their thing with them to come back with recommendations um, for city council to say, hey, we think that these organizations are good organizations where you can start working with them around intervention and prevention, especially when we learned that most of the shootings were being done by our youth between 13 and 18. So we figured, okay, well, we will reach out to those organizations that are dealing with youth in those age brackets and that are going on and are going to be dealing with youth in those age brackets. So as it relates to the crime is considered the anti-violence program that we are working on and then um, working with our Wilmington Police Department as well in terms of them um, doing more on the ground, walking and um, just coming up with a, a, another plan other than what they had once the spike started going up. So the anti-violence youth program along with our Wilmington Police Department that's how we're addressing crime. And then the housing um, situation with those communities where the, the housing stock is old, that was another negotiation with the mayor doing the budget um, to earmark monies for the east side mainly, um, where, where we identified areas where there were more seniors that were on a fixed income and they literally can get their houses inspected. And um, in the inspection, their guideline was to make sure that these houses are safe, warm and dry. If they needed a roof, if they needed a, um, a HVAC system, if there was any areas, like I said, that could cause any kind of water damage, um, not comfortable in the winter, in the summer, then they would address that, identify that, and fix it up. And we're that's happening right now as we speak. So we, city council, myself being one of the lead individuals helping to lobby um, the that money 
um, is what is happening around housing. And then we also earmark money for workforce development um, to make sure that um, those that are interested can have the opportunity to learn a skill and learn, you know, job readiness, um, which is very important in terms of being able to get employed employment. And then around the education piece, um, the state has all the authority, they have the budget, and they, they're the ones that pretty much um, run the educational system. However, I do give Governor Carney um, a lot of credit for saying, hey, you know, we are not in a position right now to to uh, change the the direction of the education as it relates to giving Wilmington back the power that they had back 25 years ago when we had the power before they started desegregation and all that. Okay, so he came up with the Wilmington Learning Collaborative. The Wilmington Learning Collaborative is a, a governance body of the superintendent of Brandywine, Red Clay, and Christina School District, the superintendents, you have teachers, you have you have parents, you have community leaders, you have stakeholders. Um, they all are going to be a part of this group, this one group. It's a governance body, and they're going to be able to make decisions for the students in the city of Wilmington. So that's what we're doing around education, just keeping our ear to the ground, being involved with you know, who's being identified, um, what are they going to do in terms of filtering information back to the community. And um, and those are the, the main things that are happening and, and, and what I'm doing along with my city council colleagues to address those issues, again, around, around crime, public safety, education, housing, and um, more job opportunities. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> Sounds like you're doing a lot, and thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but uh, I did have one question. Speaking on the education piece that you were just speaking, <laughs> um, you know, it's been talked about for years, and 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 you know, it's a glaring, glaring. Um, it's a, well, it's, it's very glaring that the city of Wilmington, being the 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 biggest city um, in Newcastle County, and and so mm-hmm. it's really a shame that we still don't have a city high school. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. That's a part of the Wilmington Collaborative that came up. Okay. Not to cut across you, but just so I can just go right to that. Um, from the very first meeting that Governor Carney had at Bancroft School um, regarding the Wilmington Collaborative, the first thing he wanted to know was you know, what people's thoughts were and, and the and the mission and the goal of this governance body. And one of the things came out of it, David, was that people felt as though that we needed a high school um, in the city of Wilmington. So that's definitely on the table. Um, that is in the pipeline. That's in the works. And I do believe that that's one of the, the priorities of this group, this governance group. It's called the Wilmington Learning Collaborative, right? They're okay. going to they're going to work through that, and you know there's a new Bancroft being built, right? Yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's not a high school. But to your point, that was one of the first topics that came up 
when Governor Carney first started talking about this Wilmington Collaborative, there were retired educators, current educators, uh, students, um, people that graduated from, you know, the inner city schools that talked about, you know, us having a high school in the city of Wilmington. So you're spot on with that. But that's definitely something that's on their agenda. Okay, that's good, because I know uh, it's been something that, you know, it's been, you know, especially somebody like myself, and because I actually was in the last class. Okay. Of uh, P.S. DuPont. Mm-hmm. They closed that high school. And that was the last high school in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. That they and, you know, for all these years, and that was 1978. Mm-hmm. And all these years, we haven't had a high school to, you know, the anchor, uh, anchoring high school in Wilmington. And that's something that has been needed, you know, something mm-hmm. we should have. We shouldn't mm-hmm. have, you know, it's, you know, it's just some, and it's something that's needed, especially in everything that you just talked about. It is something that is definitely needed. So I'm glad to hear there is some type of initiative being um, put in effect to to be able to have that done. That's very that's very good to hear, and I'm sure a lot of people who's going to listen to the show is going to be glad to hear that. And and you're referring to a district school because you know there are some charter high schools. I know and, charter. I'm not talking okay. about charter. <laughs> I know some charter high schools. Very and and no, uh, you know, as far as the charter high schools that are doing very well, and 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 I have no problem with the charter schools. I'm talking mm-hmm. about. You know, district. you know, uh, district, district, city district school. Yes, definitely. Okay. Right. So and we have Howard. We do have Howard, right? Who? Who? We have Howard High School. Uh, oh, Howard. Well, that's, yeah. that's a career. That's a technical school, though, right? Yeah, but it is a high school and it is an opportunity, you know, for our, our Wilmingtonians, right? Um, and of course, there are other students that can attend, but no, Again, everything you're saying is spot on, like I said, but it's still good to mention um, the charter schools, even though they're not district high schools. You have oh, yeah. Sierra, you have Women's Charter. Yeah, we have to mention them. Yeah, Women's Well, for, for your audience, for your yeah. audience, you know yeah. that. I know that. Leonard may know that. But oh, we, have for the uh, we have Aaron Bass coming on next week with us. Okay, okay. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so we're on it. We're on it. Yeah, yeah. he's he's doing an excellent job, by the way. Yes, he is. So he's, he's, doing he's a... coming on next week with us. So, oh, so. good. Um, so um, yeah. So we're we're you know don't worry. We're we're on it. We're on everything. We want to make sure that we w- w- this show has been was put together to try to put out there, um all the things that people need to hear, especially when it comes, not just local, because we're not just a local show, we're all over, but mm-hmm. but we definitely want to highlight the local things that are going on. And mm-hmm. so that's why we wanted to have you on, especially, and, you know, especially now, because I know you, you talked about some of the concerns and interests and things that are going on in your district, and I know crime was high up on the list, and it's it's not unlike a lot of the big cities that are going on Philadelphia. You talked about um, the, the specialists coming in from um, Newark, New Jersey. Um, you know, when you look at those type of things, and you talked about how a lot of the shootings and everything that are going on are, are um, young people 
13 to 18 years old, you know, that's being done by design because they, you know, because of course with them being minors, they don't get tried the same way, you know, that an adult would get tried. So if they get caught, they're being told if they get caught, you know, you know, it's not going to be that big of a thing because, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. And Mm -hmm. that's why, and this is happening here. It's happening in a lot of the big cities all across the United States. And it's unfortunate, right? It's unfortunate. It's definitely unfortunate. So Mm -hmm. it's good to hear that you guys have some things in place that are, you know, to help with trying to deter that situation. Let me just say one other thing. And then um, Leonard, if you have something you want to say afterwards, you Mm -hmm. can. Um, recently over the last couple of months, we've lost some very valuable members of, of city council. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's been kind of tough. And then I'm speaking for those that are listening, uh, Shima Dixon, uh, Walsh mm-hmm. and recently Linda Gray. Okay. All, all very, very important parts of city council past and present. And mm-hmm. it's um, you know, when you when you lose people like this, how does it affect your 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 members and 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 as far as the things that they've done and moving forward? Well, so it's I mean it's a life loss. So we'll start there, um, and you know, our our prayers and sympathy go out to their families because, you know, as a council member and them being my colleagues, of course, it's a loss to us, but the greater loss is to the families and, and et cetera. Um, as it relates to city council, um, well, because we have 13 council members, so... Um, at large. So Rashima was at large um, and Loretta was at large. So the lives of my council colleagues, um, it's a loss from the perspective of they were, they were conscious legislators. So this is Michelle Harley's interpretation of the impact of the loss to me. Um, They were um, conscious legislators. When I say conscious legislators, meaning like pretty much like myself, very conscious minded, um, you know, voting on legislation, the, you know, the right legislation, doing it the right way and et cetera. So personally, you know, all three of them love, love the city of Wilmington, love people, love the community and um, were really, you know, very sincere and genuine about improving the quality of life for people. So it, it's, it's a loss for the community for that reason right there, because they really were community oriented and minded and very conscious of the community. So that that's the loss right there. But in terms of the, filling the gap, um, your district council person really gets more calls, um, gets more emails, um, our constituents have higher expectations for the district council person. So from that perspective, um, you're at large. They, they're like just around and, you know, get things here and there. 
but traditional council members, we're the ones that get most of the calls and we get most of the emails, like I said, and we're the ones that tend to go to the civic association meetings and the homeowners association meetings. So the laws pretty much, like I just said, is, you know, around, you know, them just being good legislators and good public servants. That's a great loss, you know, for, for the city of Wilmington. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I think my last question before we go into uh, our articles and and this is a little bit off topic, but so, of course, we just Mm -hmm. had the general election, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah, we still are in November. What what Mm -hmm. um, what election victory were you most excited to see? So. When you think about the election this year, it was a midterm election. Mm. Yep. And, 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 and I'm, the, I'm sorry. I, I just want to preface it outside of Delaware. Oh, oh, okay. Outside of Delaware. Yes. Definitely. And, and, and Atlanta, Georgia, um, this runoff with Warnock and, um, Walker. Yeah. It's crazy that, over that there. One, that's that. You know, like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? <laughs> You know, that's one that just stands out, you know, like Uno number one, right? And right. then I, I was I, I was just really, really um disheartened that, you know, Stacey Abrams, you know, right. she, you know, her advocacy and her get out the vote efforts really helped um help Biden get in. Really. Right. Um if right. you really go back to 2019 and and look at you know what was happening with her she really garnered a lot of support for the democratic party let me put it to you like that you know for the democratic party and you know have had women especially you know which tends to be the highest percentage of voters um behind stacy therefore was behind biden and then you know for this midterm for, you know, her to be, you know, in the position that she's in, like for whatever reason, I don't I don't know what happened, but as relates to your question, that was the biggest disappointment mm-hmm. in Georgia period. You know, yeah. Georgia, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> you know, um, in terms of the you know, the Republicans, you know, really taking the bait, this fear mongering, you know, that is happening. Um, with some of, and I, w- I would want to say for, for some of, you know, your good Republicans, right? They, they kind of were, you know, kind of uh, put in a position. And, and I, I just thought that was just really, really disheartening. And it made me just feel like our, our, our democracy is being, you know, tainted by individuals that are, are more concerned about um, party than people. That's right. the best way I can put it. Right. More concerned about party than people. So there you go. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. All right, Dave, you, you ready to move on to our first uh, story? Well, well, oh, okay. You got one more? Yeah, no. Um, no, let's give Michelle a chance to. Oh, I'm sorry. It. Yes, yes. I'm sorry, Michelle. Oh. all of that stuff so for people who want to reach out to her especially oh. some constituents that might be listening at this moment mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so why don't you tell us about how people can reach out to you if they um, need to get in touch with you oh sure 
Um, but before I give that information out, again, I want to thank both of you for this opportunity for me to be able to share information, not only um, for my constituents, but for those um, that will be listening that live in the city of Wilmington. Um, I hope that I um, was able to share information tonight um, that would give them more insight into what legislators do. City council members are legislators, just like state senators, senators in Congress. We all do the same thing. We're all at the legislative branch. So, um, and we all pretty much function the same way. Committee meetings got to be on the floor, sponsor legislation, vote on legislation. So we all do the same thing. So um, again, I hope that um, what I shared this evening gave individuals more insight into how government operates. And as it relates to my contact information, I can be reached number one um, via email. My email address, I love emails because if anybody has an issue, they always got to send an email. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. You can't call me and give me a problem. You got to email me right. a problem, okay? And so my email address is mhharley, harley is spelled H-A-R-L-E-E at Wilmington, D-E, Dot gov. Wilmington DE is all one word. Dot gov. M H Harley at Wilmington DE. gov. I can be reached on 302-519-5974. On social media, I'm under Michelle Harley on Facebook. On Instagram, I'm under Councilwoman Michelle Harley. So you can contact me either way and I usually get back with my constituents within 24 hours. And is it okay if we, when we um, post the show and everything, if we put your phone number and the Wilmington um, um, email address in there? Absolutely. That's my public contact information. Yeah. All right. You got that, Leonard? Got it. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. All right. And just uh, wanted to say you guys are listening to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. We want to thank you guys for listening and um, especially listening to the wonderful Miss Michelle Harley, council member, or district. You know, so what we're going to do, Michelle, if you can hang out with us, uh, we're going to mm-hmm. go into a couple topics that we have that okay. uh, that we're going to read and and get your input on them as well. And okay. from there. All right, Leonard, what do we have? Yep, so um, the the first topic, I'm not sure if either of you have seen it. It was circulating around the internet, maybe right around the Thanksgiving holidays. And if we talk about a feel-good story, um, so (laughs) I'm going to read the the title. So it says, Woman Looking for Biological Family Shares Information on Twitter Asking for Retweets. She Ends Up Finding Her Mother two sisters and two brothers. Um, Dave, um, um, had you heard about this story prior? No, I hadn't um, until you and I talked about it. Okay. And, um, I, I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it because it sounds like something I would have heard about, but yep. I didn't hear about it. Yep. And um, Michelle, I'm not sure if you, if you heard about this story either. Um, I heard about it, but I, I I'll be honest with you because of all of these other responsibilities. <laughs> like, I, right? I didn't get a chance to like get into the details, so I'm I'm all ears. Gotcha. Okay. Well, this is perfect. So I get to introduce it for both of you. So there was a a lady on Twitter, 
And over the Thanksgiving holidays, she made a post. So her post said, please share, have been searching for my biological mom slash family and have had no luck. A simple retweet could help me find them. I was born September 15th, 2001. I'm currently 21 years old. The only information I have is that my biological mom's name is Demonica and she lives in North in the in the North Raleigh area. So she posted that. She followed up with I understand that I might not find what I want to find out. I know there are endless outcomes that may come good or bad. Regardless, I still have the right to at least know my biological fa- what my biological family looks like. Please keep the negative comments to yourself. She follows up saying, I just want to say one thing. A lot of people don't care to meet their biological family, but I do, especially being adopted into an all white family. I've suffered with a lot of identity issues. Not growing up around people who look like you is hard. So please be kind. So this is what she put out. Okay. Next post. I think this might have been the next day. She said, y'all. And she includes a screenshot of a Facebook message. And somebody sent her a Facebook message and said, you looking for a demonica, right? I'm her daughter. Well, your sister with some, with some like sad crying eyes. And she says, please call. And she puts the number up there, call FaceTime. It doesn't matter. Okay. So then she posts update y'all. I found them. I don't have the words to express how happy my heart is. Thank you so much for liking and retweeting all, you know, and all the kind words. I found my mother, two sisters and, and two brothers. I will share more. And, you know, next she just kind of posts like, you know, that's my older sister. She's my twin. Um, the sister posts. Yep, the sister posted the power of social media. I found my little sister. Thank you, everyone, for helping us find each other. Okay, so the next one, and um, Michelle, I'm not sure how clearly you can see my screen or Dave. She posted a video, and even though um, you know, I I kind of read the thread of how everything developed, the video made made tears come to my eye. I'm like, no lie. So I think the next slide, the video, I do want to play it. Um, the video does not have any words. It's pretty much just um, screenshots with um, uh, actual video footage at the end. So anyone who's listening to the podcast, you're not going to be able to see anything. But if you go to DelawareBlack.com and check around about a day ago, you can actually see the post and the video. Um, so, of course, next side, my adoption story. Words cannot describe how grateful I am, everyone who supported me. I never thought I would connect with my biological family. I'm so happy, and they are just as happy to meet me. Um, the last 48 hours has really changed my life. And here's the video.
Okay, so <laughs> they kind of cut off abruptly at the end, but right. what yeah, what it said is um her sister messaged her on Facebook. They talked. She FaceTimed her sister. She FaceTimed her biological mother, and they only ended up living about um, two hours away. So her sister, biological mother, came to see her the next day. And, you know, I, I just want to say that this is really a testament to social media, um, you know, people really kind of sharing, helping each other out. And, um, you know, it, it, it definitely kind of kind of hit me in a soft place. Um, I'm not sure if any of you have any, you know, instances of where, you know, people were connected via social media. Um, I remember when Facebook first came out, there were a lot of friends who hadn't seen each other in years family, you know, stuff like that. But um, this was definitely a, a feel-good story. I'm not sure if you have any comments, Dave. Well, I do, actually. Um, but I was going to let our guest go first. Before okay, I said yes. Hey, Michelle? Well, so, no, I had not heard about this story. But after um, hearing about it and seeing these pictures, I have to agree with you, the power of social media you know, I always say it's like a knife. A knife can be used to heal or to hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and I see social media the same way. And so in this particular instance, it definitely was used as a tool to help heal, um, to bring healing to a family. And I just think that this is really powerful and it's really awesome because I you know, I, I can't relate to that kind of experience. I mean, I've heard stories. I don't have anybody in my family or my circle that was in this situation. But, you know, just the human side of me, um, I can connect with the fact of, you know, it must be a gap in your soul if you don't yeah. know who your your mother is. And then just to see how this all came together and she met her biological mother and family, you know, it touches me and like you in a, in a soft place as well. So thanks for sharing. Right. Well, I'm going to say it's a wonderful story and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, there was a lot of healing um, that was been, well that was done and that will be done in reference to the story. Cause of course, you know, there's still probably a lot of questions involved in the story, but <laughs> um, I'm sure there is. But I'm hoping that, um, you know, with her being able to find find her family like this, and, it, it you know, it helps to answer some of her questions and as far as who she is and where she came from. And it looks like, you know, it looks like they, <laughs> it looks like a great ending right there. And, yeah be able to see it. and you can see definitely the similarities in, in them um so that's an awesome that's an awesome story i did want to share um since you did ask Leonard, i had a similar situation on that happened actually with facebook um now uh it wasn't an adoption situation it was um my on my father's side the family the coker's side um my father my father was one of six children and was only uh, out of the six children. There was only five children uh, out of the six siblings. There was only five children born. My mother had two. And then one of his brothers had three girls. As kids, we spent a lot of time around each other. 
But when this particular brother that had the three girls passed away, and I was like 13 at the time, um, we kind of lost contact with each other. And, you know, they lived in New Jersey, uh, in Woodbury, New Jersey. And um, so we lost contact with each other because we moved, but our numbers changed or whatever. And I always, you know, wondered what happened to him. And we hadn't talked to each other in years. When I'm saying years, since I was 13 years old until um, I think we found each other back in 2016. That's when it was. Okay. And I had been looking for them for a long time. One of the one of the girls was a big time track star and she almost made the Olympics and everything. So anytime I would do a search, I would use her name because she had the name out of everybody. And I would come close, but I wouldn't be able to find her and always wonder what happened to them. And I'm sure they wonder what happened to me. So one day I was fooling around to make a long story short. One day I was fooling around on Facebook and I happened to put in the the uh, middle girl who was the track star. I happened to put her name on Facebook, trying to find her name, figuring that she probably would have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. When I put her name in, uh, there was a picture of a little boy that came up putting on his jacket and a post that said, um, getting my little man ready to go visit his aunt. Now, my, my cousin's name, um, she goes by the name Vonnie, to go to visit his aunt Vonnie um, and spend the weekend. So I look at this post and I say, whoa, Vonnie. So the young lady's name was Tanisha, and she had the same last name as mine. And I said, okay, could this be who, you know, related to? Because I didn't know her. You know, mm-hmm. I said, she mentioned Vonnie. I said, what's the coincidence of that happening? Mm-hmm. I checked around. Vonnie didn't have a page, but just me seeing that, I reached out to this young lady. You know, and I, you know, I had to do it in a certain way because you know you don't want to come across a creeper, <laughs> like that, yeah, you know, a creeper. You know, yeah, I know. So I said, you know, I asked her. I said, you know, in the post, I said, you know, um, my name is David Coker, and you know, I'm telling her who I am. And I said, this Vani that you mentioned, your aunt Vani, that Vani Coker from Woodbury, New Jersey, and you know, I'm I'm throwing all this, and I said, you know, mm-hmm. if so, I think. You know, you're related to me. And I, you know, I said, you know, I left a phone number. If you want, if you want to talk, you can call me and I can explain. I didn't hear from her. <laughs> you know, I didn't hear from her that day. I didn't hear from her till probably that next day in the afternoon. And mm-hmm. when she hit me back, she sent me a message on the messenger saying, I had to ask my aunt Barbara if she knew who she was. As soon as she said Barbara, Barbara is the oldest girl. I saw that name Barbara and I started laughing. I said, that's them. And then she, and she said, Barbara's going to call you. And and Barbara called me right away. And we laughed, we cried because we hadn't talked to each other in over 40 years, you know? And so, and I found her and I found my family. We got together. Matter of fact, Leonard, they showed up. Remember I did a birthday party over at the Clarion hotel um, in Newcastle. I think you came to that party, right, Leonard? Possibly. Remember? Uh-huh. I, 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 uh, Michelle, yeah. Dave, Dave, Dave does a party every year, and he wants me to remember, like, every single party. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Wait, well, I, I, 
I have a picture. They all came, all of my cousins, they brought their family and everything, showed up at that party that night. Because nice. I did, and that was the first time I had laid eyes on them since I was 13 years old. Wow. And we, we laughed, we cried, we took a big picture. I still have the picture to this day. And it was a good thing that we we met at that particular time because a couple of years later, my cousin Barbara, the oldest girl, died. Wow. Uh, or she died during COVID, matter of fact, the first year of COVID. Oh, wow. And, uh, but I got a chance to see her. You know, I got a chance to hook, hook back up with her and connect with her. So, yeah, social media, you can find, it's a lot of craziness out there. But in these yeah. type of stories, you can find people that you're looking for if you do it the right way. And, of course, right. you know, there's a certain way you got to do it, though. But I was able to to actually find somebody I had been looking for for years. And so and this is really a good, a good story. And I'm glad that that worked out so well for her. Yeah, well, and you, you know, for you too. Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. And you know, I was just gonna say with the story we we're just talking about too. You know, I'm I'm sure it, it makes you very vulnerable to kind of put yourself out there like that on social media, not knowing what to mm-hmm. expect. So the part that I did not mention is, um, so there was one of her posts where she said, like, "Please be nice to me," like, "Please be nice," and she she stated that because there. are you know, kind of like Michelle, how you're talking about like a knife can be used for good or bad. There were people mm-hmm. who were criticizing her, um, you know, just with negative comments and, you know, um, kind of making fun of the situation, which 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 is a shame. So um, it is I'm, a shame. Yeah. So I'm definitely glad that she had enough enough courage to take the chance because, I mean, kind of like she said, like, she don't know what she may find may be good or bad. So, she had nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing she had, her mother had a very unusual name. So, it made <laughs> yeah. it easy. Right. right. And, so that's when, a, when, that's when one of those kind of names come in real handy. Right. <laughs> you know, you're, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I was well, thinking well, the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. thinking the same thing. You know, like, what are the chances of a whole lot of people having that name, even if it's exactly. four or five? You yeah. know, it was, it's still different. And I, I I wonder how long did it take for her to, you know, for her to find them? No. So, um, it, yeah. So it, it, it wasn't that long. I, um, I don't remember the exact date, but I think she posted it right over the Thanksgiving holidays. And mm-hmm. when she posted it, just a lot of people started sharing it. And you, so she also posted it on Facebook and Twitter. And so mm-hmm. I think the person actually respond, or the sister actually responded on Facebook and then, you know, uh, you know, Facebook Messenger and that's kind of how they got together. Okay. But yeah, so I, I was like, that, that that was an amazing story. Yeah. It yeah. is amazing. It is. It, and it's and and back then, I guess, I don't know the process. I'm just basically going by what I've heard or mm-hmm. seen on TV, is how um when you adopt, you can sign papers to either like I think be open to meeting right. your, your the child later on or not or something like that. But anyway, my point is sometimes, you know, when that happens, you know, parents don't always want to be found. And so exactly. that's the other thing that I thought was really good about this story. It seemed like the mother was just as excited as she was, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, to, to be, you know, um, back together and to be restored. And, you know, so that that's what was really beautiful. Right. It, it was a mutual excitement. Yeah, exactly. 
That's right. And I just wanted to say before we move on, I just wanted to say, and with some of the challenges you can have with looking for people on, on social media and mm-hmm. the challenges that I had for all these years, because I had been looking for my cousins for years. I mean, oh. many years. I mean, when my mother passed, when my father passed, I tried to, I tried to find them. I couldn't find them because they were very close to my father. They were close to my, my, my mom when we were coming up. But the issue with finding girls, because it was three girls. Uh-huh. They all married right, got married, changed their names. <laughs> so yeah. they, didn't the, they didn't have the coker name anymore. And thank uh-huh. God that the, the, the cousin of mine that I contacted still had that name. And that's wow. what connected us, that name, the coker name. So, yeah, because all the girls had gotten married. So, wow. But, yeah, but that's a, that's, a, that's a great story. That's a great story. I'm so glad. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, all right. What else you got for us? Yep. Anna? So, um, the, the next story, and, and this, this, strangely enough, was also a feel good story, too. So, this story, uh, happened in, uh, North Little Rock, Arkansas. So, the title is Chris Kennedy received a racist letter demanding that he take down his seven foot inflatable black Santa. And so his response was basically saying, Oh, so you don't like my black Santa. Well, then in that case, I'm going to be the black Santa for the entire city. So right now I'm about to play a a quick video. Okay. Kennedy decorated his front yard to make kids smile, especially his four year old. Our original thing with even putting out Black Santas is so that our daughter sees herself represented in just about every way possible. But the holiday joy was shattered when an anonymous letter arrived objecting to his inflatable Black Santa. Horrified, Chris read the letter on his Facebook page. Please remove your Negro Santa Claus yard decoration. You should not try to deceive children into believing that I am a Negro. What went through you? It was anger and and honestly, sadness. The family worried North Little Rock, Arkansas might be the wrong place for them. Then this happened. I said, yeah, get the biggest one you can find. Black Santa started popping up everywhere. We may have to get another one. As neighbors quickly denounced the letter. It was hateful and it was had nothing to do with Christmas. For the third year in a row, Chris Kennedy decorated his front yard to make kids smile, especially his four-year-old. Okay, so that that was pretty much the video, and um, so I mean, I, I thought it was oh. interesting that uh, his neighbors all banded together and they all got black Santas inflatable to put up. Um, so then what happened is he decided that not only was he going to put up the inflatable black Santas, but he was also going to go out every year and he was going to be Santa Claus at various events. And, you know, I think the story got so much attention that um, HBO is doing a, a story regarding his journey of being a black Santa Claus. And it's actually premiering right now on HBO Max. So we're all got to go check it out. But, you know, I just thought that was an interesting story because, you know, just the way kind of like and, and Michelle, you know, kind of like how we we're talking before about the community, but how the community really came out, you know, white, black, whatever ethnicities and really came out and supported him. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. the community really stood up to racism. You know, they showed that, okay, the letter that he received was a single incident. It wasn't the sentiment of the community. But, you know, mm-hmm. on, the, on the other side, I just think about how this racist felt when everyone started putting up these black Santas, you know, just kind of made me chuckle right there. That is a good story and a funny one, too. And then what city was oh Arkansas? You yes, said. yep. So this was a uh, North Little Rock, Arkansas, and um, okay. so so if I can tell a quick story, um, when we moved in our neighborhood here, um, so when we moved into the house that we're in, there were some trash cans that were left by the prior neighbor that were kind of like full of like construction or you know demo stuff. So we didn't have a way to move them, you know, for a week or two. We received a letter in the mail, and it basically said that you know. This is an upstanding neighborhood and, you know, we don't want people like you who are going to leave trash out. And my wife was so mad. I guarantee if it had been over something Santa related, you know, she she probably would have put up a thousand Santas. If she could have put a thousand trash cans out at the same time, she probably would have done that, too. But, you know, but, you know, I mean, I was just happy to see it because the community really came out and supported them. Yeah, so where do you live? Um, oh, he so, lives in a very upscale neighborhood. Here, here Dave uh, goes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live not far from Dave, but I um I I live in Newark off of Old Baltimore Pike. Oh, okay, right, because we're still recording, so I understand that. Yeah, but yeah. but 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 Michelle, Dave, Dave always tried to crack on me. But let me say this: when you turn into the front of Dave's neighborhood. You literally uh-huh. have to drive. You literally have to drive ten minutes from the front of his neighborhood to get to his house. Lord forbid, <laughs> Lord forbid, you run run out of gas. I'm like you. You won't know which way to walk. You don't know. You just keep going to Dave's house, and you turn around, and go to the street. Okay, okay. I have a feeling I know where y'all live. What area? I got you. I yeah. got you. Well, that that is kind of interesting, though. How? Um, we still got people in our society that feel privileged enough to send letters and say things like that. And um, it's just unfortunate. It really, really is because I can never wrap my mind around it. I can never really relate on no level how people can be so evil spirited. Cause in my right. mind, the way I, I feel like, racism in my mind is evil racism okay mm-hmm. is very evil because most of the time those that are that portray that behavior it's always negative right so i have no other you know choice to believe that it's it's evil it's never anything good that comes out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. like the person, maybe the situation, something right. good comes out of it, that situation. But most, most, my experience of observing um, racism is, is never anything good that comes out of that person. It's just negative and it's evil. And, and, and it's just awful. It's just, it really is. And so I always like to hear um, success stories as a result of, what a person meant for evil, how it turns around for good. Right. Okay. And I see that this 
this documentary that they're doing on HBO Max about this story came out on November 17th, it looks like. Yeah, exactly. So, streaming now. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to try to take a peep at that. Um, but that's that's a that's also a feel good story. It's because there, Michelle, you said earlier about how a lot of neighbors don't know each other anymore, and it's not like one coming up. You know, you knew your neighbors. I mean, right. you know, the neighbors right. were like like family. Yeah. Too, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know where I live. I've been here, I've been in this house since uh, 2017 is when I moved over here. So. And, you know, I I know my neighbors when I see them, you know, coming in and out. But if, mm-hmm. I, was, if I was in the market, like, um, not far, if I was in the Acme that's not far from here, I wouldn't know that mm-hmm. I'm going to call them in the store. Right. Oh, okay. You know, that's what I'm saying, because I don't know them like that. You know, I, I, I can't say I know anybody around here that way because, well, I'm gone a lot and, and so forth. So, you know, but when I... You know, it's just not the connection. The people don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see people walking around and all that kind of stuff. But it's just a whole different day and time now. So for a community to support him the way that they did, right. that's all that really truly is. It's a good, it's a feel good story. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really appreciate y'all sharing um, those stories because we need to hear more feel good stories. <laughs> Yes, definitely, definitely. We definitely need that at this time. Yep, so. and, and uh, Michelle, I was going to say, you're, you're probably on, on the right show because usually every show we have something, well, you know, I was going to say every show we have something about racism, but I mean, this yeah, is racism, right. but, you know, um, a lot of the shows, you know, we talk about some of the racism that doesn't always have a good, um, doesn't, doesn't give us a good and, feeling or doesn't have a good reaction, but yes, th- this is one of them. But, you know, Dave, even to piggyback on what you say, um, I think one of the re- well, two of the reasons. One, I think just social media and the age of technology. You know, we're connecting more on electronics than we are with other people. And I also think when I was growing up, and and I credit, you know, myself for my parents, but because kids would go outside and play, and they would interact with each other, that caused a lot of parents to get to know each other well, just because the kids play together. And, right. and Dave, I can say my kids don't play outside. Like when we move where we are now, like they don't play outside. They don't know any other kids in the neighborhood. You know, it's like my kids would rather be on their electronics in their room than, than be outside. So, you know, I, I think that's another factor that that's missing. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And, really? uh, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was also thinking about the fact that when most of us grew up, our houses were so close to each other. Right. Okay. And so it's like, you know, it was almost inevitable not to speak, not to end up on somebody else's step, you know, just by living closely closely knitted together in the community now the the further you go out the further the houses are apart too mm-hmm. right so i do think that there is some validity and you know pros and cons and growing up in a city community um especially let's say at least 20 years ago at least right. 20 years ago um it, it it was some some benefits in that and that people 
just I think, like I said, just the mere fact that you you walking out your door the same time somebody else is walking out their mm-hmm. door. You know, you're in close proximity, looking at each other eye to eye versus because I used to, to live in Caravel Farms many, many years ago. Right. And the houses are all spread apart. It takes more effort. That's the point I'm making. Right. It takes more effort to to visit to to be neighborly and not that you don't want to but it's like okay <laughs> what are the chances sometimes? yeah you know what i mean you walking out the door at the same time someone right next door so i just think that all, all everything matters you know i always hear you know that's that's delaware state university's tagline mm-hmm. um everything matters or yeah i think it's everything matters or it all matters but it it it's all the one and the same. And the bottom line is that, yeah, everything, you know, matters in some regards. And I think, you know, living in, I love the uh, two and three acre houses and all of that, having the land beautiful and all that. But like I said, I think there's pros and cons with everything. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, The other thing I just think about it too is, so when I was growing up, you knew that every kid who lived in your neighborhood, y'all went to the same uh-huh. school. You know, now, exactly. so like I'll say for my neighborhood now, I probably, there are probably about five different middle school buses that come through the neighborhood and, you know, they're picking up kids, taking them all different places. So, you know, I think everything all, is just scattered. They all come at the same time, which is so funny. I know. You know, uh, <laughs> you know I'll be like, how really? can they have all these buses going, coming at the same time, going different places? It's crazy, you know, so, yeah. but yeah, wow. That's part that is more, part of it. Yeah, we were more. We did more together. Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely. Look, I know in my neighborhood. I told you. I told you. So I grew up in Riverside, man, with a number of kids over there. But we all went to the same schools, mm-hmm. and we stayed. We basically stayed together from elementary school all through high school. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I mean, a few of them might have went to different schools, but very few of them. Very few of them did. That might have been one percent that might have went to a different school other than but most of us stayed together from elementary school all the way through high school. So you know, so but hey, eh, here we are. This is where we are now. So <laughs> <laughs> what can you say? All right, so we're gonna move on to our last thing and um which is Dave's Corner, Leonard's favorite um time of the show. And what it is, is <laughs> what it is, is that we uh, we asked, uh, you know, we we asked a question, philosophical type question, or you know, a thought provoking question to make you think. And we asked it of our guests, and we asked it of well, Leonard, Leonard, let's <laughs> put it that way, and um, <laughs> we'll go from there. So today's question is this. If you had the chance to have the ultimate conversation with three people, dead or alive, who would they be with? They could either be celebrities or non-celebrities. So, Michelle, (laughs) if you had a chance to have the ultimate conversation with three people, okay, who would they be? (laughs) And this, like I said, they could be celebrities or not celebrities. They could be dead or alive. Who would they be? Off the top of my head, without thinking too long and too deep, it will be Oprah Winfrey. Um, 
Obama, Barack Obama. And um, my paternal grandmother that I never met. Wow, that's deep. Okay, well, okay, let's let's go with Oprah. Why Oprah? Um, Oprah um, reminds me of my girlfriend down the street in some regards. Um, that that just kind of used her brilliance naturally and just followed her heart not trying to get rich not trying to get wealthy and stumbled up on a show being genuine and being authentic and she landed where she landed but more importantly she never changed she's always seems like oprah that grew up 50 some years ago you know when and, and I think she's from Tennessee originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she got some, you know, mother and father was, you know, not totally together. But she just, you know, I love the fact that, you know, she's smart, she's intelligent. And um, I think that wealth found her. She didn't go looking for wealth. So that's why, you know, I say Oprah. I love how she is always thinking about how she can how people win too through through information, um, education, um, through enrichment, through encouragement. You know her whole mission and her brand. Her brand to me, you know, makes me think about my brand. But of course, not on the same level. Okay, <laughs> okay. Right. So. She reminds me, you know, of my girlfriend in my head, you know, down the street. And then um, Barack Obama, to me, they have, I mean, the way that I think about both of them is very similar in the sense of, I don't think that he was looking for, you know, um, the the fame and, and all that came with being president. I think that he had a passion, um, a passion to uplift. Uh, people uh, and a passion um, to to just really make an impact, and through passion and wanting to make an impact and using his talent, his natural talent of being an, a part excellent communicator, it, it 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 he landed where he landed, and and again he reminds me of Oprah. Like I I don't feel as though that they was reaching for fame, they wasn't reaching for fortune. I feel as though that they was just being ordinary people like me and you and the, you two, Leonard, both of y'all. They were just being ordinary people using their natural talents and they landed where they landed, but it never changed them as individuals. And I know that they got all kinds of stories. So I would just love to just talk to them and just hear some of their stories and, you know, just have a conversation with them. So that's, my 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 reason for those two and then of course my paternal grandmother i heard a lot about her and i just always wondered i do have a picture of her but i never talked to her um would want to probably have a conversation about how my dad was growing up so that's why okay those are mm-hmm. great answers. okay all right okay leonard same question Yep. So I think my first person would be, uh, Puff Daddy, Sean Puffy Combs. Mm-hmm. And, 
And and I say that because to me, you know, he just seems like the ultimate hustler, you know, um, just, you know, from going to music to fashion to business to, you know, just all the things he's involved in. Um, you know, I, I just kind of admire that drive. And, you know, even when he had the show, um, I can't remember what it's called, but you remember where he, where he had like the personal assistant? Um, I don't know if y'all saw uh, it, but he, it, was, it was like a, a reality uh, show uh, where... No, so, no, so it wasn't making the band. It was a reality show where he was interviewing for like a personal assistant and he kind of like, uh-huh. you know, so it's, I won't say it was like the apprentice because it wasn't, but he, he really put them through the ringer and having to, you know, just do everything. But, you know, I just, I, I've always admired his drive. Um, and that, you know, it looks like he has fun with it. So I'm not sure if anybody follows him on Instagram, but, you know, we know that he's going to work hard. He's going to party it up. You know, he's going to have fun. He's going to hang out. He's going to travel, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, he's serious about his business and, you know, he makes sure, you know, his stuff gets done. So, you know, I, I just kind of like that atmosphere because I kind of want to be a hard worker, but yet have fun, be a little carefree and, you know, go on vacations and all that stuff. So um, I like yeah. that. My Get second. <laughs> Well, I'm married now, so so the only trouble my wife and I are getting in is you know adult trouble. But okay, the right. next the next person would probably be um, uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, and mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm not Muslim, but to me, like everything he says is just so articulate, so on point with with a lot of subjects. But you know, I think social media because, you know, there's always a lot of clips of him speaking on different issues. <laughs> and, you know, like, I like how articulate he is and, you know, really just knowledgeable on a lot of stuff. Um, if you get a chance, there's a clip of him with um, Mike Wallace and they're talking about the corruption in Nigeria. And you should see the way that Minister Farrakhan like literally ripped him a new one and everything he said was facts. You know, Mike Wallace couldn't say anything after that. I mean, of course, it was an old clip because, uh, you know, the, the time they were talking about it. But, you know, um, I try not to overshare his stuff. But, you know, anytime I come across one of his videos, just about anything he speaks on, um, I don't know. I, I just appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. And then my I agree. Le- yeah, I mean, like, I very, very intelligent. He is. Very. His perspective, his perspective <laughs> is always like from the side, but mm-hmm. always on point. Yes. And then my last person would probably be Harriet Tubman. You know, um, I just think it's amazing. Like, you know, how do you make 19 trips, you know, up north, down south, freeing, you know, 300 plus slaves? Um, risking danger and death and imprisonment, slavery every single time. So I, I'm just sure she, she has like so many stories. And, you know, I mean, I, I would just be interested. Of course, I did see the movie that came out, um, a couple of years ago, but, you know, I just feel like there's so much to that to her life that we'll just never know about. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm just trying to think of like, what would a modern day, Harriet Tubman look like, you know, like who would, you know, in America, who would really risk their life to that level for the the freedom of other people? And I mean, I got, to be honest, like I just can't I, think of anybody. 
I got the perfect person. Uh oh. All right. <laughs> I'm 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 almost scared for you to answer, but go ahead. That person's name is no one. Uh, okay. No one. Yeah, nobody. I'm, I'm with it. Nobody. Nobody's going to put their stuff out like that. Right. Nobody. Okay. So, so yes, that's that Harry is something thing. That's deep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's more spiritual than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You know, kind of like Moses. Right. Yeah. Yep, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, if you ascribe to that, you know, scriptures and those stories, mm-hmm. God always had a man or a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Always had one, right? Yeah, definitely. In different times that he used to to help set people free. Yep, that's true. Yeah. All right. All right, Dave, what, what you got? All right, so... My and it's funny you put Farrakhan on your list because that would definitely be in my top five. Uh, he would definitely be somebody I would want to speak to. So that was a good look on on your on your. Um, <laughs> I'd like uh, to surprise. Uh, thank uh, you, thank you, Dave. I, I appreciate the good look comment. All right. So my first one would um, be Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to walk with him. And hang out with him and see what, see everything that he was going through. And then to say, you know, be able to sit there and have a conversation. Why are you doing this? And just sit there and listen to everything he had to say. Um, he was the right man in the right place at the right time. And that was always fascinating to me from the time I was a kid. And, um, you know, I know there's stories, you know, you know, you always, they always want to throw the other stuff out there about them and everything. But I just wanted to have a conversation for what he did and what he, he tried to do in order to make things better for us. So Martin Luther King definitely would be one of the people I would definitely want to speak to. Well, I mean, I just wanted to say this real quick. He's another one. It's more spiritual because mm-hmm. he's another person that I feel as though the Lord ordained and gave them the revelation and the inspiration and the information that they needed to to do the work that they did. I just I think it's it's more spiritual than natural. But that's all I have to say. He's another one. Yep. And of course he was a pastor. So you know, of course. So. Um my second one. My mother. <laughs> I mean, she, if I could have one more conversation with her and, and, and just have her say things to me that I probably didn't want to hear mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And I'll be sitting there with my hand, my chin in my hands, leaning forward, catching mm-hmm. every word out of her mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. That was my teacher. She was my mentor. She was everything. And if I can have, you know, just be able to have that 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 conversation with her one more time, you know, we would uh, look. It'd be like being in Wakanda. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, 
but you know, so but that would be my second person. Uh, my last person <laughs> is the ultimate compensation, and that's what God. Mm-hmm. I would definitely, definitely <laughs> be all in on that. God, whatever you got to say to me, I want to hear it. He talks to me now. But if I could actually sit across from that entity of, of he could appear to me in any way that he could appear to me. And I can have a conversation. Of course, I'm mostly listening. I probably wouldn't say a word. My conversation would probably go like, hi. <laughs> you know, because I would be so awestruck, but I'm not going to say anything afterwards, but I'm just going to listen to everything that he has to say. So that's my theory right there. So, okay. Sounds so, good. So, so, and of course, folks, if you know, you want to add, you know, your three in there, we always invite you to write in and give us your thoughts on what you have um, to say in reference to that question. And of course, you know, if you want us to, we'll read them over the air and everything. So you definitely can reach out on our um, news and trend um, podcast page. And, um, you know, of course we're on Facebook and Instagram. You can reach out to us on either one of those. So, well, that's basically our show today. We're going to ask council member fourth district, City Council member <laughs> Michelle Harley to give her information one more time for those who may not have gotten it the first time. Um, we're going to ask her to give it one more time. And Michelle, do you mind? No, not at all. Thanks again. Um, my email address is M H as in Harry Harley H as in Harry A R L E E M H Harley at Wilmington de dot gov. Wilmington DE is all one word. MHharley at WilmingtonDE.gov. My contact number is 302-519-5974. My Facebook page is Michelle Harley, my first and last name. And Instagram, it's Councilwoman Michelle Harley. That's my contact information. And if anyone has any questions, even um, after listening to the show, please feel free to reach out and um, contact me. And okay. I'll, I'll reply. Oh, that, that, you guys heard it. We, you know, we have one of the most dynamic members of city council right here with us on the show today. And we want to definitely thank her for coming on and hanging out with us. And, um, blessing us with her presence so we want to say thank you michelle for for everything and coming on the show with us today and thank, thank you, you. For okay len do you have anything you want to say before we um so i just want to wish everyone have a great week make sure you catch our show on friday and uh that that's about it dave stay warm because yep. that that weather is changing Okay, and um, I'll just add, um, matter of fact, News and Trends is sponsoring uh, the uh, party that we're doing on uh, December 10th um, at the Spotlight 
venue, which is down on uh, in Bear, Delaware, on, on Route 40, 1809, I think, uh, um, Pulaski Highway. Um, it'll be me and myself, uh, DJ Tim Dog. Um, we will be um, having, um, we'll have food, we'll have dancing and great music. Um, you know, it'll be a good time. So if you're looking for something to do from 8 to 12 on December 10th, come on out and hang out with us. Okay. And News and Trends is our sponsor. So I want to make sure I put that out there as well. Okay. So definitely, guys, shameless plug, by the way. Um, thank you, God, <laughs> <laughs> for joining us tonight and on News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. We will be seeing you guys on Friday at 6 o'clock on our weekend roundup. Have a good night, and thank you once again. Happy holidays. Tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen, for another edition of News and Trends with your hosts, Dave and Lynn.